You know what? We, we could have a side podcast called Level Down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where things just get really, really dark. Yeah. It's not Bridgerton. <laughs> it's just Steinfeld. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll all have aliases. Yes. Now everyone's going to know it's us. Oh, well. Oh, well. We'll do one of those voice change things where the whole thing is done like this. <laughs> Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage, and in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Level up. Level up. Level up. Level up. All right, welcome to another episode of Level Up. This is a special one because everyone has the pleasure of not only or solely listening to Katie and I, but we have two spectacular guests joining us today, and we're happy to introduce them right now. (laughs) Who do we have? Well, we have, we'll start with Miss Sandra Kirkland. Sandra is the broker and manager of professional development with Royal LePage. Um, she's also been named one of the top 50 most elite women in real estate. And she received the Aurea uh, Young Professional Network Leadership Award a couple years back. So she's, she's fancy <laughs> and a good friend of ours as well. So thanks, Sandra, for joining us. You did your homework. I'm impressed. I Thanks, did. Katie. That was, that was <laughs> well, I already knew it. I just made, wanted to make sure I had the words right. <laughs> you did. Thanks. I know in general what you do, but. <laughs> oh, a, that's a thing when you've got so many things behind you it's yeah. to remember it all. I'm sure we left a couple of things out there, but. Yeah, just, there's more. You're awesome. And just there's, a couple of things. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Fill it in as we go. Fill it in as we go. <laughs> Um, And then we also have James Malonis with us, who most people know as James in the city. Um, He was actually recently named one of the top 100 trailblazers for Canadian real estate from the Buzz Conference, which is amazing. Um, He is a real estate agent with Johnston and Daniel, and uh, he's a provincial director for Central Ontario with the Ontario Real Estate Association. So we've just got two fancy people with us. This is like, we're just tasting the upper crust today, aren't we? (laughs) I mean, we're just sitting here pinkies up, right? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, we got to change our beverage of choice for this particular podcast. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And obviously, it is a strange time that we're all living in right now across the country, across the industry. And we want to talk today about how things are and where things are going. And what better way to do that than to talk to two people who are significantly in the know and in the trenches every day, seeing what's happening and uh, really just getting your feel of where things have come since this all began, this being the unfortunate pandemic we're in and where we see things going in all parts of the industry, in our backyard especially, which is Toronto and Ontario. So we can throw it to... Yeah, yeah. hey, James, jump right in. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm just going to, you know, throw it in there. No, it's been a really interesting year and I'm curious to hear like the three of, of yours perspectives, like Katie and Dan, you guys as active practicing agents and then Sandra from like a managerial brokerage side of things and how you guys are seeing different trends. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess I'll talk. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Sandra, We're all here. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you know, I, I have to say that one of the greatest uh, experiences that I've had in my in my 14 year career in the real estate industry has been being able to to see the industry from a variety of different perspectives. And it, what was really mind blowing for me was moving out of sales and then coming into branch management was one thing, but I don't think I really sort of had my mind blown until I moved into uh, the brokerage leadership sort of arena and being able to see not just what I dealt with or what the, you know, 120 realtors at my branch dealt with in, in a small pocket of Mississauga, but now what 1500 realtors are experiencing across most of Southern Ontario and the experiences are so vastly different. And, and what I do notice is that everybody has their own stories and their own perspectives and their own experiences, but really being able to, you know, I think open, open one's mind and, and realize that no two transactions are the same. No two realtors are the same. No two client situations are the same. And as a result, every time you have a conversation with somebody, it, it can't be the same. You have to remain open-minded and alert and aware to everything that's happening around you in order to be able to adapt to it pretty quickly and do your job properly as a service provider. The world is full of people doing really different things and having success in different areas. I think success to people has been different in this industry as well. And people are finding their niches and doing it in different ways. And so we're talking about the pandemic and the world we're in, but really that's not what it's all about. It's just about the way the industry as a whole has changed alongside it, in spite of it, yeah, because of it. There's kind of all sorts of different angles to this where not everything's moving in the same direction. I mean, we can talk a bit about that. As you said, as salespeople, I mean, we all deal in different segments of the market as well. You know, James, you're dealing geographically and also, you know, from a luxury perspective and the clientele you deal with are probably experiencing different trends and things right now than we might deal with. Yeah, I mean, I think the industry has done a pretty good job at adapting to what we've all had to encounter with this. We've really jumped like our, like even just our, our boards and everything have really jumped to um, the table in terms of wanting to make sure that we were all being safe and we're protecting um, consumers, obviously, there's some bad seeds out there that get all the press. But for the most part, I know that every like people are making sure that they're keeping their clients safe. And that's really all that's important. Um, so that's that's been kind of like a nice thing that's happened through this. Um, and then like, yeah, just different markets, like the condo market versus like outside of the GTA for freeholds or not outside of the GTA, but just anywhere for freeholds. It's like massively different and trying to manage client expectations, I think has been a bit of a challenge, but I think we're kind of getting through it for the most part. What about you, James? Yeah, the condo market has been really interesting. It's like <clears throat> May, June, July, we had a really good condo market. And then August 1st rolls around and overnight there were... 200, 300, 500, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, yeah. 10,000 units for sale. And it just kept climbing and climbing. And then it was nice to see because we had, and I'm a, I'm a big guy that says, if you're not from Toronto, don't sell Toronto. When I say Toronto, I mean like Toronto and York region, Durham and Peel. That's yeah. Toronto to me, right? But if you're coming all the way from Barrie or Hamilton or Niagara to sell Toronto condo, please don't. But I'm kind of glad that you did in December because you took away a lot of our supply because you were looking for deals for your investors. You know, if you look at Boxing Day up until January 3rd, how many multiple offers there were? Mm. When generally a very dead time in the city. And then we started seeing all price points. So two weeks ago, I was in multiple offers at the Shangri-La. Last week, I was in multiple offers at 488 University. 
and again yesterday at 488 University. Hmm. And these are price points from 1.4 up to 2 million, right? Hmm. And that's what you normally would see in the condo market. And because there's just no inventory right now and people are looking to make a move, people are being relocated back into the city or having to be back at a certain geographical point for work, even though it's still work at home, they want you within a certain proximity to the office, to, to your head corporate relocation or uh, head corporate office, that you're starting to see people move back in versus the ones who've gone out to, you know, Hamilton or Barrie or Bradford just to get more land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder when we're going to start to see more of that. Like, I think it's going to keep coming, but do you think it's a function of people getting back to work or do you think sellers expectations in the condo market have lowered in line with what's actually happening right now and where the market has kind of gone in the last six months? I think seller expectations have absolutely changed. Yeah. Uh, on top of, of people going back to work, I think what it was too was FOMO, right? If you think about the people who did move from the city to the suburbs and, you know, I'm not, when I say suburbs, I really should include rural as well, right? Because people moved out to get more land, to get more space. But then they started realizing as, you know, the, the summer opened up and the fall opened up and they were doing things again that they couldn't just walk down the street to go get coffee. Mm-hmm. They had to get in their car, buckle their kids, drive, wait in the lineup for 20 minutes, come home. And it, just, it wasn't the same feel. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people regret moving out of the city and are looking to come back, which again is taking away some of that supply issue. So is that, that, that's interesting that, I don't know that it's what percentage of the demand it is, but you're finding it's a lot of people who left and now it's the same people who are coming back. So this isn't the sort of new crop solely of demand where people, like you said, initially were saying there's deals to be had, so let's invest here. Now it's the people who left saying, let's get back in there. Yeah. And it's, a lot of people shot themselves in the foot too, because they got out of the market, right? They sold and either they bought something else or they've rented a place in the interim. And now they're just seeing, you know, what life was like back in the city and how it's changing again. And they're like, fuck, like, you know, I really wish I didn't do that. I wish I should have just stayed. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem, right? Is that, is that, you know, people, people feel that, you know, when COVID first hit, people felt that, you know, prices went stagnant for the first couple of months while everybody was sort of like, oh my God, what do we do? And then, you know, when the market started to pick back up again for the latter half of 2020, I think there were a lot of people that were like, not only do I not want to live anymore in my 500 square foot condo, I do need a lot of space, but this is the peak, right? The, the, the pandemic is going to kill the economy. Everybody is going to be losing their jobs. People are going to be losing their shirts, being over leveraged on their property. How many people bought cottages, blah, blah, blah. And, and so they got out when they thought that there was a peak. And we all know that the vast majority of people are unsuccessful in playing the lottery of real estate ownership. So they thought that they were selling at a peak and then they went to go buy something that was, you know, more bang for their buck out in the suburbs. And then they bought there. And then prices in Toronto, I mean, the condo market did, str- did struggle a little bit, but it is starting to show signs of life again, as James said. And then all of a sudden people are like, I can't believe I sold my place in Toronto when in the last couple of months it's 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 increased again by a whole other third so you know if if the predictions of a lot of people are true and that we're not anywhere near moving into um, any kind of reduction in property value in the greater Toronto area at all in the next few years. And there's a lot of really smart people that are predicting that there is still a lot of room to grow given the strength of the Canadian economy 
in fairness, how well we have financially handled the COVID-19 pandemic and how we expect and already have a plan to pay back the billions of dollars that the company has siphoned in to support us all, that people are starting to understand that moving out of the city right now may actually result in a lesser increase in value in the investment than it would have if it had moved out of the city. And so on top of all of that, if we're all predicting that the end of COVID is in sight, it happens in the summer, perhaps in early, in early fall, getting out of the Toronto market maybe isn't the right thing to be doing right now. So I can understand why people are trying to jump back in because that's where the greatest increase of property value is going to be at the end of the day. I mean, if I had tons of money, then I'd be buying up condos left, right and center in Toronto right now because it hit that trough and now it's it's going to shoot back up again and again. So I, I identify with that. I think that there's going to see, you're going to see a lot of people moving back into the city and getting back into investing in the near future. Yeah. And condo living is, is really hot too. Like people are loving the fact that they can be in a building and you know a lot of buildings have adapted and I hate that word we've used it so much since March last year but a lot of buildings have adapted to how deliveries are being made how groceries are being delivered um how people are interacting in buildings and you know Scott and I lived in a condo years ago and we're considering going back into a condo so we've been actively looking over the last six weeks of you know what's out there in our in our size range that we're looking at and how buildings are adapted and we miss it right? It's a whole different life being in a building. It's a community. It's a way of living the same way someone wants to be in a certain pocket in Vaughan, for example, right? Because of schools and, and, you know, walkability and nature trails. Condo buildings are the same way because you have those certain amenities. And yeah, they're closed right now, but wait till they open, mm-hmm. right? 100%, yeah. So would you say, I mean, there's, as you know, crazy bidding wars going on everywhere now. So like you're saying that it's going into multiples now in condos, but in places like Durham and places like outside the city, it's still madness in some of the different price points. Do you think that's a function of because of the world we're in, everybody's just on the move? Like people are just cycling everywhere. And some people think it's time I need more space. Some people are having the FOMO and moving back. And it's just from a volume perspective, there's just more people in every aspect of the market moving around. And it's kind of not messing up the system, but it's definitely kind of adjusting the supply and demand equilibrium that we'd expect that is considered normal everywhere. Is that what seems to be happening right now? And do you see it leveling out in any of these pockets anytime soon? Yeah. Yeah, I see. I see it leveling out significantly. In fact, it already is in in many of the, you know, less populated or less busy or less popular, you know, for for lack of a better word, areas. Um, the, the hot priced property and you know the the great property is in in great areas with a good walk score good schools that sort of thing there are there is still pressure but that pressure has been there since 2015 and nothing really changed right i mean the foreign investors tax sort of did cool it off for a couple of months just like COVID, it cooled it off for a couple of months but you know we we can't forget that we have been in this market since 2015 and and continuously it still is doing you know the up and down roller coaster and there's obviously always going to be some pockets that are more exciting and moving more quickly and increasing in value more more aggressively than other areas. Um, but I mean, we're on year six of this now. And, you know, w- is it sustainable? Totally. I mean, again, look at where we are in comparison to New York City in terms of our price per square foot of freehold detached homes, let alone condos. And then compare that to, you know, other places like London, compare that to Tokyo, compare that Tokyo, like, holy, compare 
compare it to other major cities and major countries that are just as stable and just as well operated and well governed as ours are as ours are, are, ours is and we're doing just fine and we're going to continue to do just fine will we level out totally because it can't keep going up at 30 to 40 percent every year forever i mean at some point it's going to level out i think it's going to be in the next couple of years but is 2021 going to be quiet quieter is it going to be a balanced market i don't think so yeah no, yeah. in the rural setting, not that the three of us that are actively trading are trading in rural regions, but watching the trends in the Muskoka region, and, um, you know, that includes the lower half of Perry Sound, there has been crazy bidding wars all through the winter, where properties that, you know, would normally have well in septic, um, or certain water level, um, water level readings done in the spring, are being bought and sold firm now with no test, nothing, closing whenever, not caring what's to come because they're just trying to get into that vacation market because they're leveraging what they have, you know, in the city or the GTA, you know, maybe they bought, I'm going to use Thornhill Woods as an example, right. At, at um, like Dufferin and seven, maybe they bought at Thornhill Woods eight years ago at a lower price point. They're now selling at one three, right. They, they're probably sitting on a half a million or more in equity. Right. And they can use that equity to leverage, buy something, you know, in, in the Muskoka region. Yeah. For, you know, what they thought was next to nothing. But with all the bidding, people are taking the same mindset, that $500,000 cottage no longer exists, yeah. right? Like tear down log homes on the lower half of Perry Sound were selling last week in multiples in the 900s. Like that's, that's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. What are your thoughts on investment, like more specifically condos for investments and with rental prices, because rental prices have tanked too, especially in, in the Toronto area. What are your thoughts? Will that catch up with the, how condo prices are going? Or do you think that'll stay low longer? No? It'll catch up. I mean, once that border opens, because if you think about it right now, what's contributing to our low rental prices? We have no immigration. We have no international students. We have no international travel. So take away every student rental in the annex or around um, Georgia Brown and Ryerson. Take away any Airbnb in the downtown core, you know, by the ACC or in through Yorkville. Yeah. And take away any reasonably priced condo through Regent Park or into Liberty Village, right? All those rents are sitting there right now because there's newcomers not coming in. Once that border opens, there's going to be demand for rentals again. And, you know, condos that are now renting for 1800 will go back to 22. Connors had rented for 2,500, we'll go back to 3,000. I, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't actively work, especially in the downtown condo rental market, and I don't watch the stats every day, but I'm not so sure that that's just going to continue to grow and flourish and that being a landlord is still going to be one of the, the most profitable ways of, of maximizing on your investment moving forwards. And I think that that, you know, I think that we're going to see potentially a hit on the bottom of the barrel in terms of the, the rights of landlords continuing to be reduced by the Landlord and Tenant Board and the Residential Tenancies Act, it's hard to be a landlord right now. And I think that some crackdown on tenant behavior is going to have to occur in order for the low level rental market, like I'm not talking like 3,500 a month plus, I'm talking everything below that from, you know, $500 a month, one room basement apartments into um, one or two bedroom condos in downtown Toronto. And I think that's going to have to have a full revolution. And I think it's going to hit a rock bottom before it starts to do its revolution and, and begin again in, 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 a, in a new vein. But something's got to change there because, 
you know, it, it's, it's really hard to be a tenant right now, especially because there's a lot of landlords who are losing their shirts and are trying desperately to unload their properties because they can't afford to keep them with whatever, you know, is happening in their lives due to the pandemic. And, um, you know, landlords are increasingly being overly selective and charging astronomical prices to tenants just to get them into the property so that they can make ends meet. Do, I mean, rents have to increase with property value increasing. Otherwise, landlords wouldn't be landlords if they couldn't afford to pay all of their carrying costs by having a tenant in. Um, but do I do I see it continuing on the upward stroke that it is or recovering really quickly? I'm not sure. Not until there's some consideration to rights being adjusted on both sides, both in favor of landlords and tenants and to to apply some more restrictions and, and fairness in the actions that they are allowed to take in their in their activities. Yeah. No, it's a good point because yeah, right now it's it's really brutal for a lot of landlords. Their rights are really minimal. And I also think that, you know, it'll take a while for those people that are renting, like typically where they're employed, like it's going to take a while for those jobs to get back up and running and, and for, you know, restaurants to start hiring people and those kinds of things. So I think that that will also have a bit of a delay on things. But um, yeah, as James said, like I think immigration will have a huge a huge part in helping hopefully the rental market pick back up. It, it does become another, like there's a world of questions you could ask in all these fronts, but if you're a landlord right now, or you're an investor who's considering getting into the market, do you hold a bit rather than getting locked into a rental mm -hmm. that is going to be considerably lower than what it may be yeah. six months or a year from now, you know, and that's a decision that I guess is based on what your own personal situation is. But if someone has the means to do that, would you recommend, and this is to anybody, would you recommend that they get in while maybe the prices of the condos are still more reasonable than they will be down the road, but hold unless you can get your price right now on bringing a tenant in? Well, it's a risk, right? It's like when you go to Vegas, right? Do you play Black 13 or do you play Red 7, right? Like, red 7, always, always. I, mean, I think Red's an even number, I don't know. No, no, red 7, that is my number. You picked you pick my actual number, so good on you. See, I knew we got along well. Um, but it's like that, right? So do you do you buy the condo? Do you throw a friend in there for the time being? Do you use it as a pied -terre? Right. If you can afford to carry, you know, not only your mortgage, but your your maintenance fees, not only your maintenance fees, but your taxes. And to some, that adds up quite a bit. Yeah. Right. And in some cases, it can be more than your mortgage. Right. So can you afford to sit on it? Right. Because, yes, you know, prices will go back up to Sandra's point. It'll take some time. Right. Um, prices will go back up. But if you can get into the market, get in the market, mm -hmm. even if you're a first time buyer. Yeah. Right, and you are sitting on a really good rental right now, right? Because you've been there for so many years. It's in a rent control building. You're not going to go anywhere, but you have the funds to buy. It's a really good time to get it and be your be a landlord yourself. Mm -hmm. With the caveat that if something tragic were to happen in their lives, that they could continue to hold it, because I think that that's the problem: is that if they if they get a really bad tenant in there who is refusing to leave by only just paying their rent every month and and maybe you know demolishing or trashing the unit otherwise or whatever, um, you know the the, the that that landlord is going to have a lot of trouble unloading that unit, and they're not going to be able to raise the rent if property values go through the roof or if you know God forbid anything happens to any landlord and 
they they are unable to unload a property because the tenant that's locked in there is paying a subpar or or below market rental rate. And and so I, I think that it's important for people to continue to invest. Landlords are so important to be able to provide housing and shelter for people that are unable to afford property of their own. Landlords are so important. But I do caution that it's it, it, it you have to be aware that if you're not planning on hanging on to it with zero income for 10 years, use caution before you're making a purchase. Yeah. That's really good advice. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take this conversation in a slightly different direction. Yeah. If that's all right with everybody. Oh, you were going to shift. Are you ready to shift? You can shift before I shift. I don't need to be. As they say on clubhouse, reset. Reset. Let's reset the room. room. Okay. Uh, Is it okay? First case clubhouse ever coming to Android or am I just a big loser that needs to get an iPhone? Is that what it's coming? It's coming. It'll be fine. Just wait it out. It's coming. It's still, it's, it's still in beta. That's why it's invitation only. Yeah. And you, you can only get in if somebody invites you in. I mean, they're giving out invitations like water. I think oh, I have yeah. 11 no, on my app crazy. right now. Um, right. But um, they, it will come eventually to Android and open up to other devices. You just got to hang in there. Just wait it out. You can do it, Katie. I know you can do it. It, it could be the best, the best strategy to market I've ever seen because everyone with an Android is going to be yeah. like bursting at the door <laughs> waiting to come in the moment they open that up. There's um, just going to be 10 million new users yeah, on day one. Crazy. Um, but I wasn't going to talk about Clubhouse, no, no. even though that's a good <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's all good. Um, so what about the actual process of how things have gone on the listing, selling, buying of real estate, of how realtors and their clients are dealing with it? Not so much on the price and where the market's going front, but the actual process yeah. of now going into places and listing places and responsible behavior, um, notwithstanding, you know, Katie said, there are a handful, not many bad apples who make the press with things they do that are not so. Yeah. Like something in my neighborhood that was all over the news the other day. Yeah. 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 Well, and a bad topic to ask me after the fight that I got in with some random person on the real estate corner Facebook group yesterday. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I did. So I'm all heated. Oh, <laughs> and well, this is, this is unfiltered talk right here, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, people seem to, in my, in my opinion, I think people have really adjusted globally, not just in real estate, to the way the world is working now. And most people are responsible and get it. Yeah. But on this going forward, I hear a lot of people talking just in our day-to-day lives. It's not going to be the same, even once the green light is given from the government that, hey, we're open for business again. Do you see, or to what degree do you see real estate returning on a like open houses yeah on like an operational yeah, perspective like an operation, yeah. to the way that it was <laughs> i know that james james i just said the, like a bad word for james open houses <laughs> He's like, no 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 open, that open house word just makes me cringe like i mean i'd rather have i don't know what some kind of like doctoral procedure like it just engrosses me out because there's so many better <laughs> ways to market your home online than sitting in your living room handing out cookies from two to four on Saturdays. You know what I mean? What yes, one to three. One to three? <laughs> one to three. Maybe it's better, right? I understand some realtors who farm communities have done great success with their open houses, right? You know, they have a system, they have a team, it works really well for them. They're in a community, your face is everywhere. <clears throat> Personally, if open houses were banned for life, I would be the happiest person. Like I would run through down that square butt naked cheering them on, right? Because there's so many better things to do to your sellers than having random people come in. Because let's be real, we're all guilty of it. How many times have we gone to an open house under a fake alias? I've said it under Khloe Kardashian a hundred times in the last 12 years. Do you think she's looking at a house in Mississauga? Probably not. But someone signed her name. 
right? <laughs> Realtors aren't checking. They're sitting in the living room on their phone, scrolling through Instagram. Yeah, yeah, there's a living room. Check it out, whatever. See you later, right? There's no care of caution. So I'm totally the opposite. And, and for anybody listening to this that knows both James and, James and I, they know that we're like really close friends. Like all four of us, I think are really close friends. And I'm, I, I'm really appreciative of our friendship. So sorry that I keep disagreeing with you, babe. I love you. <laughs> um, you know, when, when I was selling and granted that was, you know, I stopped selling almost four years ago now. So it's been a while. But when I was selling consistently, open houses was my second largest return on my investment of time. And they were free. And I spent a lot of time doing open houses. I do, I did, you know, maybe one every two weeks. I didn't do one every weekend, but I did one every two weeks. And it was my second highest producing source of business. I charm the pants off people when they walk into a door that I have listed for sale, whether I'm a listing agent or whether I wasn't a listing agent. I was always able to convert people from, from walking in those doors. And I know a lot of realtors that I coach who really struggled to, and sorry to use the, the, the word that we all are sick of and hate, but who were unable to quickly pivot you know, once March and April last year hit because they relied on door knocking. They relied on open houses. They relied on talking to people face to face and having them either walk into their door so that they could talk or meeting them at their door and talking. And when that wasn't a thing, like how did these people, how could they do business? And, and so that was really, really tough for a lot of people. So as much as I appreciate that at some point in the future, I think open houses will go the way of the dinosaur. I think that there's a good portion of our uh, population in the real estate industry that is eager to get back to that and will very, very quickly do that. I mean, with that being said, I know that everybody is frowning on door knocking right now. They shouldn't be doing it. I, I kind of tend to agree, although I have to be neutral and supportive of everybody's business practices. And I know two, two realtors, they're a team, they're two women and they're a team and they're in the Halton region and they're door knocking their geo farm and they're doing it really carefully. Like they're fully masked with an N95, they're gloved, they knock on the door and then they step way back, like almost halfway down the driveway or way back off the porch. And the first thing they, that they do is say, we are soliciting for business. We have taken steps to sanitize before we touched your door. And we've stepped way, way, way back. Tell us your comfort level. And if you don't think this is cool, we're out. And, and they open with that before they ever even introduce themselves. And the success that they've had has been astronomical. And how can you deny that? I mean, sure, if you're going up to somebody's house and you're not taking care and you're knocking on their door and they're, you're spitting in their face when they answer the door, sh big deal for sure. There are people that are doing traditional face-to-face in-person contact and they're finding that people are answering their door and enjoying having a physical in-person social conversation with somebody because they've been locked in their house for almost a year. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to be a proponent of what we're frowning upon as being something that we shouldn't be doing right now, because I tend to agree, leave the open housing and the flyer drops until later. But I think that we will see a resurgence of open houses, probably not to the degree that it once was, um, because I think that masks are going to be prevalent in our future, similar to the way that we see them in, in China and Japan, you know, forever. If, if you're feeling unwell, well, you're wearing a mask when you're out of the house, if you have to even go out of the house. And I think that that will carry on into the future. But I do think that we'll see a resurgence of some of those in-person activities moving forwards. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on the agent. I think like, because we've got a few new agents and they're dying to just start doing open houses because they know. And like, you know, I know when I started, that was kind of my primary source of business initially is just doing other people's open houses. But I guess, yeah, you can take it from two different perspectives. Like as James is saying, from the list, from the seller's perspective, whether it's a value add for them, 
especially if an agent isn't willing to like actually try to sell the house and, and p- present it and, you know, talk people up and that kind of stuff, then it's a complete waste of time. And why tell the seller to get out of their house on the weekend? But um, I do think if it's somebody that's eager and motivated and knows the area and is willing to actually talk to people and, and hopefully get a sale, you never know. Um, but I do understand both perspectives for sure. Well, and I think there's there's going to be a lot more, you know, working the room, so to speak, and getting to know your client and what they're comfortable with than there ever was before. Like this wasn't a discussion you'd have with a client about their comfort level on certain things, safety wise, you know, other than maybe the people who get upset about strange people in their home in general, right? But when you get past that, which was a small subsection, this is a real conversation that even once the all clear is given, I think there's going to be more of these types of talks taking place in every aspect of the business. You know, do people get in your car with you to go see homes as quickly as they might've before? I don't know. Right. So uh, it's just, it's an interesting thing. There's no crystal ball, but we're doing this episode. So one of us has a crystal ball here. So, so, so somebody here's right. We've offered every side of the opinion. So somebody (laughs) got it right. We'll revisit in a year and see who was closest to the answer. Yeah. But I, but I think it's fair that there, there, you know, and further to what I was saying at the beginning, there's so many different perspectives yeah. and there's, there's a right and a wrong way, I think, to do pretty much everything. And, you know, f- again, to touch on this, this fight that I had with this anti-mask advocate, like I think she was at the Adamson's barbecue fiasco. Like mm-hmm. she's, you know, seriously an advocate for anti-masking. And, and she jumped into this thread and she said, um, you know, I go to all of my protests tests and my rallies where I don't wear masks and I hug anybody that wants a hug without even thinking twice. And then when I go into your listing the next day to show my buyers your listing, I'm putting on a mask and I'm washing my hands before I go in. So you should be happy with that. And it was like, no, listen. And I think that at the end of the day, you can have any personal opinion and perspective that you want. Um, And I think that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you believe. You can be politically anti-masking. You can believe that it is it is it is taking away your freedom as as a citizen. I support you in having that feeling because it's it's hard right now and it's easy to snap. And I get it and and I support that. But when you are purposefully putting somebody else's opinion or 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 feelings at risk or in danger because of your own self-serving beliefs that's what i think that realtors need to make sure that they are stopping and checking every single time because she can feel fine going out to her rallies and then going wherever it is that she wants to go but she as a realtor owes a duty of respect and care to the public that she serves to yeah. make sure that that homeowner is aware that yesterday she was at an anti-masker rally and added a thousand people to her bubble and is now entering into the home of this this seller who could potentially be immunocompromised or just in their own petrified of the virus and she didn't she didn't seem to understand that she owed anybody else that level of respect because it was what she thought was right and nobody can take that away from her and that's where i think the line is so open houses door knocking just make sure that you are aware that the person that you were trying to solicit business from may be absolutely terrified of covid-19 and therefore, no matter what you're doing, you need to respect that and, and owe them that level of care and respect. Yeah. Sorry for the rant. That was, I was, I know, was great. No, I, <laughs> no, as a profession. Need a kick in the ass. Yeah. Like, it's like, come on. We are held and we should be held to a higher standard than just anybody out there dealing with anybody because our role involves being well, with people, especially lots of different people and because we're deemed an essential service. And we are an essential like, service. Anybody that's deemed an essential service requires to take a much stronger duty of care, in my opinion. 
But I think this goes back to holding our industry at higher standards because they've been allowed to get away with things for so long. Like I did a survey not that long ago and I was reading some of the fines that were were proposed. $2,000 is nothing for a real estate agent. Yeah. Charge them twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's two thousand dollars? And that's a pair of shoes. Yeah. Right. Well, like, most of these people aren't producing, and I think that therein lies the desperation to turn a paycheck because they probably haven't closed a deal in the last eight months. Right. So two thousand dollars to those people is a lot of flipping money. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But again, like they're going to get a twenty thousand dollar commission. So two thousand from that is is nothing. Right. They're not okay, whatever. Like it it is what it is. But if you charge them that that entire commission amount right? Or you barred their license for a year, watch how many realtors will either step up or shape up. Yeah. 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because until then, it's just one-off divisive type conversation where people get argumentative and move on to the next one and still are the same person they were, right? They feel like big people. And I mean, I am taking a side. I won't normally take a side, right? But this, there's a clear side. There's a responsible way to act and there's not. And if you're mm-hmm. someone who openly chooses to do the irresponsible thing when you're in such a position where responsibility is key to what your role is, you're wrong and you need to be penalized for that. Yes. So Um, you guys were talking about trends of things that are coming in 2021. And I don't know if this is going to be a trend, but I stumbled across this in a group that that I'm in. uh, That's primarily American women, primarily American women. And I learned, and I've done some research into this and I learned that in a number of States, it is a growing fad that your closing gift to your client is a high quality produced closing video. And this is like a thing Hmm. where your clients get all decked out with hair and makeup and you get your video company like OTBX Air or whoever you've got to come out and they follow you to the lawyer's office. They do video footage of you signing the paperwork, getting the key. And then the realtor drives you to your house to open the door for the first time. And it's like a full on production and it's future marketing for the real estate agent and then the buyers have like this nice little memory video of the time that they closed on their first home and apparently this is a growing trend so might be food for thought for anybody who's looking to embrace something brand new or get in ahead of a trend james is like yeah that's stupid but apparently it's massive in some states it's massive it's my turn to disagree with you You know what? You you sent me the video the other night and I was looking at it. I'm like, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, this is so American. (laughs) Right? And no disrespect to, you know, the hundreds of realtor referral partners I have in LA, Chicago, New York, but a lot of the things that some of these American realtors do is very 1998, right? It's a little backwards. Same with their design trends, same with their fashion trends. Canada tends to follow more European standards, right? The U.S. tends to follow the U.S., (laughs) And a little backwards at times. Do. I mean, we've seen a, so yeah. do I get the concept of the video? Yes. Do I think it should be a one-off kind of thing? Also, yes. Right. I think it's a nice way to kind of say, this is what I do for my clients. But if it was every single one, my buyers would probably never refer me. again. That's just me personally would never refer me again. <laughs> yeah. It's I always think, a question of know your audience, right? That's the thing. Like I could yeah. see, I could see. My it clients were like just. People. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. So in terms of other like marketing trends, what do you see? Like, what have you seen come out of COVID? What do you think is going to be necessary for agents to set themselves apart to make sure that they're doing a good job for their clients? What? What are the new things? 
I think that it is a mix of uh, really honing in on digital capabilities and and opportunities. But I think that it, that what's going to become increasingly appointment important is not a casting of a really broad net without even determining if the fish that you intend to eat is going to be under this net. And I think that what's going to become really important towards the end of 21, 2021 and what's really going to impress particularly sellers is the ability to be able to market online, which everybody is almost now able to do with relative ease. But the addition of being able to say, not only am I going to market online and blow the top off of marketing online, but I have seven different ways where I can specifically target the ideal buyer for this property of people that are already out there, already pre-approved, already ready to go. And this quality fit, this house property fits what it is that they're interested in buying. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is going to become a really big selling feature for a lot of sellers in the future and a really big competitive aspect to people's listing uh, packages. A couple of years ago, I think Sandra called me up for not inviting her to this party, but I did sell a studio apartment downtown and I hired a bunch of influencers and it was 294 square feet. So you're not fitting more than three people in this place. Oh, that wasn't me being upset, by the way, honey. That was somebody else. <laughs> I had a rosé party with a bunch of Toronto influencers, right? And they were either from micro to macro, from 17 to 100,000 followers, right? And I just had a bunch of rosé. They came down to the rooftop as a twilight event. They come, they hung out, they did some Snapchats, they did some Instagram stories. And eventually the buyer's agent saw it on one influencer's page that she saw, but she ignored the listings. It was too small but on MLS. When she saw it on the influencer's marketing on their Instagram stories, she was sold. Hmm. And they brought an offer that was beyond incredible for 294 square feet. At the time, I think it was one of Toronto's smallest condos. And I think that's what you're going to see moving forward is it leveraging some of those influencers in your marketing. And yeah. I touched on this back at, at the bus conference a few weeks ago where you don't need to be a micro or macro influencer yourself to have these things done. But you can partner with someone who is, mm. right? Yeah. Like there's, um, there's a realtor in, in Vaughn and I think she's, she might've stepped away from her license. She bears a similar brand to Blank in the City. And she stepped away, I think from selling and has been, has been doing this like, solo mom influencer style marketing and it's connecting to a lot of people and realtors are looking at it now saying do I partner with this person because she has a bit of a following or can I emulate what she does in my own marketing mm-hmm. that's yeah. what we're going to see moving forward too I love that because there's so much creativity that you can put behind that and like especially give it like the types of properties like I remember with the one the Portland condo we had and just like the video we put together and then it just caught the attention of like what was it Toronto Toronto life and like it's just like it just snowballs from there and it all starts with that one idea of like who is and as Sandra was saying before like who is going to be living in this condo. And it actually ended up being a celebrity that bought it. And it was so cool how like, after we looked at everything that we did marketing wise, it was like, we put it all together. And it's like, no wonder how, why this happened the way it did, because it just all made sense. So, yeah. I I think a lot more people think a lot about staging, things like that to make the place look the way people might want to see it in their mind's eye. But I think there's a lot more that needs to be put into the stories behind the place and showing people what living there can be like painting the picture that isn't just the contents because the contents will and can be changed. But the way you use it and starting to picture yourself living the life you want in there, whether it's through influencers or anything like that is I think it's it's got the ability to take hold today with digital, with video, with the things that can be done more than ever before. And I wonder if marketing companies are going to become more of a um, 
like and experiential needed service for realtors. Like you got stages, you got photographers, like not everybody has like a marketing mind. I mean, we, we don't most of the time either. Like, you know, like there's just like, you know, we, we've only got so many skills. It's like you hire a social media manager to manage your social media ads and things like that. Like, I wonder if marketing and like a PR person would be somebody that people will, will look to be hiring in the near future. Yeah. yeah. So Good I, at home job too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've hired PR for James in the city, right? I, I've hired someone to work on solely press mm. because I think that's going to be a huge thing for agents themselves to market is through paid advertisements, yeah. um, you know, the, the non cheesy style. But I think in terms of PR in general, where if you have that cream of the crop listing, like I'm thinking something, I'm going to use Lakeshore, for example, it's the only other affluent market outside of Toronto that I can picture something on Lakeshore, right? On the south side, on the water, you have this beautiful piece of land. And yeah, the Globe and Mail is fine. New York Times, it is what it is. But when you get that PR piece, where you've got someone like NKPR behind you who can promote that listing to a different audience in a different creative light, yeah, that's going to be really big for agents who have those unique niche properties. Yeah. So, I mean, we could, we probably will talk about this more. I think we should do a whole episode on open houses in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Can this be like a, 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 a session after dark where we can enjoy a libation? Because that's going to, I'm going to need something to get to that conversation. I believe it should. Be. I was going to bring one with me, but I had a weirdly bad experience with a gin and tonic yesterday that I'm still getting over. It was, weirdly bad experience. It, it was very strange because that's normally my go-to. And yesterday it just, it, it did weird things to me. So I'm dying to know the details. It's I'll show you what I, I, yeah, well, well, I won't show, show you I'll now. Show you, now you want to know what I'm going to show you, but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think uh, everybody's, I mean, we're, we're always candid with each other, but I think uh, the level of, of candor we can have with uh, a couple in us might be even more entertaining for our happily listening audience. Are you, really. Sandra, are you doing um, like, are you drinking this month? Like dry January? Some people are doing that. I don't know if, is it still January? It is. is it still January? It's yeah. Sandra's quiet. You know she's not. She's like, no. I thought I saw something. That I- um, I think I froze. What was the question? <laughs> dry January. Yeah. Is that a what thing? What is dry January? <laughs> okay, never mind then. <laughs> but uh, I definitely agree that at some point we should probably have a a celebration for uh, Katie coming back to the dark side of of alcohol induced living, and B, um, you know, maybe having a, a dark side of your channel might be something that would garner a lot of interest of, you know, we could become like the gossip girl of the re- real estate yeah. industry. You, you know what? Like- we, we could have a side podcast called Level Down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's where things just get really, really dark. Yeah. It's not Bridgerton. <laughs> it's just Steinfeld. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll all have aliases. But yes. now everyone's going to know it's us. No, oh, well. Oh, well. We'll do one of those voice change things where the whole thing is done like this. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I'm to people on TikTok, I have a fake voice, so maybe I'll just use my fake voice. I saw that comment. What was up with that? By the way, can we just can we end off our 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 uh, podcast here just by talking about James in the City's TikTok? Have you yes. guys been watching it? It's pretty. I- Oh, like yeah. the fact that he Absolutely. spends most of his time calling out his haters it has gotten him so many eyeballs and the amount of comments that are like oh my god I can't wait to work with you this fall when I'm buying a house I'm totally gonna call you I can't wait to work with you can you come over and sell my house like I, you probably want to talk about the amount of leads that you have sorry about the cat butt <laughs> you probably want to talk about the amount of leads that you've been able to convert just by being open uh, with your haters and calling them out I love it it's it's amazing 
I know it doesn't really go with real estate trends, but I mean, marketing is all part of part of that. Just my shirt. Um, but it's it's marketing yourself, right? And so when I started calling out my haters, I I was hangry when I did the first one. And I'm like, okay, you know, this, it, it is very James for me to just like rant. You guys have known me a long time that I love to rant and, and just let loose. But then I started doing it on my TikToks when I was calling people out, and right? People very quick to say, you know, you're balding or, you know, you've injected your lips or you got a fake voice, like all these random things, right? I'm like, great, thank you. But you're hiding behind a faceless profile. You have zero followers, zero content. And the minute I call you out, you apologize, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is funny. Then I had some flack for people like, you're unprofessional, right? You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be calling out your haters. I've probably picked up 15 leads for Q3 and Q4 just from doing that, from mm. buyers out there who have their eyes on TikTok who are like, you know what? You are the realest thing we've seen. We're good. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, But that's the thing, right? Like people want real people. They want relationships. They don't want to see you're just listed, just sold all across your Instagram, right? Like they want to see that you've got a family, that you've, you know, got a great lifestyle downtown, that like all of these different things because they want to work with somebody that they like. And I think agents as well, like if you don't like who you're working with, then take a look at what your marketing is saying about you and maybe readjust it, right? Because I'm sure you love working with the people that are calling you because they're just as real as you are. Yeah. So 100%, I think that agents really have to get a little ballsy and start putting themselves out there a little bit more, maybe speaking their mind a little bit. And I think it's going to come back to them in really meaningful ways for their business. And, yeah, and don't be afraid to show your flaws. Like yeah. show everything because- Everybody can see in today's day and age, they can see through the bullshit from everybody. When you're perfect to the world, you're not being you. Nobody's like that. And there's success to be had for the most introverted of introverts out there on social media. Like nobody's suggesting that you need to post photos of your grandchildren and expose your home address of your house. Like nobody's asking for, for that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I've seen the most introverted of introverts have huge success on social media. Um, you know, like look at Nazma Ali, for example, I love watching her Insta stories and she very rarely posts anything about her as a person. Yeah. People are dying to know. And when she doesn't, AMA, people will ask her, but you know, all she does is just talk about how she, what her emotions and her feelings and her experiences are as a realtor. And it, it portrays her as being an industry expert. And James, you're doing that on TikTok. And, you know, here's what a million bucks will get you in this building. And here's the amenities in this building. And people love real estate. Like it's like, yeah. you know, it's so important to them and they'll watch that until the cows come home. So even the most introverted of introverts who are deathly afraid of social media and video can find some level of success if they just as you said like take that leap and take that jump and get on it yeah absolutely and watch james on tiktok because you'll get some inspiration (laughs) yeah we're putting we're putting everybody's everything handle in the notes to this episode so follow and follow and like and love and subscribe and all those fun (laughs) things to everybody yeah and hate on james so that you can get a call out in his next video (laughs) no just i think it's come to the point now where people are looking for it Yes. Right. Like some girl actually DM me and she's like, I think people are literally just calling you out or, or hating on you so you can call them out because they want that clout themselves. Mm-hmm. That's right. At this point, I'm okay with it because people love it. Yeah. But I mean, but, the comments, yeah. There, was one, there was one last night and before I blocked the person, he had said a lot of things that made me realize that he knows who I am because he talked about, you know, my, my daily routine, where mm-hmm. I go, what I do. I saw you at this coffee shop and it became a little creepy. 
Yeah, so his last comment was, see you in Yorkville, sweetie. And I'm like, I'll be there Monday at four o'clock. Like, come find me. Like, I'm I'm like the last person you want to play that card with. But it was like, it was creepy. Mm -hmm. Comments can be a little trolly, but you got to just let it go. Yeah. 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 Let it go, Elsa. (laughs) Straight. (laughs) I was so close to singing there, but it's not going to (laughs) happen. Cool. I think we should have like a quarterly or something every every so often bring you guys on. We'll love when Sandra disagrees with me. So let's keep this rolling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally happy to do a dark side of level up. Let's do it. We could call it level down. Level yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> level down. <laughs> All right. level Thanks down. guys. Appreciate it. Love okay. you guys. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Level up, 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 level up,